Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, I'm Steph and this is the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. I'm going to get stuck straight in as I need to leg it to pick up my youngest two from school. So you don't need a big preamble from me. But my guest this week is Zara Arshad, a psychotherapist who specialises in working with couples who are new parents. And honestly, I had no idea that relationships could be so impacted by having a baby until I got there. Um, I've documented this in blog posts that I wrote years ago. I've linked to a couple in the notes to this episode and I hope it's not too... Uh, eggy but I read a bit from a blog post I wrote called the post baby fog because one of the questions that came up a lot when we said we were recording this is how do I explain to my partner how I feel after having a baby Um, and when I went back and read it it really reminded me what it was like so yeah excuse that but there's loads in here from Zara that I wish I'd heard when I was pregnant and my kids were small about how to prepare before a baby arrives how to manage expectations what's really happening when you feel angry and resentful at your partner that rage I felt was huge and Zara also has a book coming soon which is called Stronger Together a couple's guide to navigating your relationship after baby so we'll make sure we shout about that when it's out this is the third and last episode in this series about relationships however our most popular conversations have been when we've talked about relationships and sex and I get so many messages about those episodes so we'll definitely bring you more of it if you haven't listened to them Um, the episodes that have kind of most closely linked would be Matt Frey's episode Karen Gurney aka The Sex Doctor Laura Danger Samantha Baines and Aileen Barrett Um, they're the the most relationshipy episodes although to be honest it comes up in most of the conversations I have I just find it so interesting and think the way we're trying to live now really conflicts with lots of our expectations of marriage and being a parent so we're just trying to work it out Um, this episode is sponsored by Hudson Rose who are an amazing mortgage and insurance brokerage with a brilliant team who actually want to help their customers more on them later in this episode as if you're due a remortgage and think you're totally stuck Hudson Rose say they can help and they want to hear from you Zara and I kicked off with talking about the unexpected vulnerability in your relationship when you have a baby I've said this before but I think when I got married I thought it was like just an upwards trajectory where it it just grows and grows and it gets better and it doesn't it goes up and down oh it's like it's like a squiggle all over the graph before eventually if you can stick out through the squiggle then maybe you see the upward yeah and and when you're in that and when you're so vulnerable because you've just had a baby it's almost like that was your stability maybe your relationship if you were Mm -hmm. in a good place and so when that's gone as well as everything else it, it hits so hard what are the biggest issues that you see most with the couples that are coming to you after having a baby 
Yeah. So, you know, adjusting to the new normal, it doesn't matter how much you talk to a couple about what it's like to have a baby. You have to get, you actually have to experience it it to know what it's like, you know? Um, And again, like I said, couples are not even nearly as prepared as they should be and their relationship is not nearly as prepared as it should be before bringing their baby home. I saw Um, one of your posts where you said you've got the cot and the diapers and the like all this long list of stuff that you can find millions of places over the internet where people have suggested lists of what you need and nowhere in there is there anything about preparing your relationship for when the baby comes. No, You don't even think that that's something you need to prepare because... No one even really talks about that, right? So I think it's a huge adjustment that in itself is such, you know, a difficult thing to get through. And like I said, adjusting to suddenly overnight these new roles. You went from Mm -hmm. husband and wife or partners to parents and co-parents. If you're new parents, you've never been parents or co-parents before. Mm -hmm. So it's now learning something very new about your relationship and your partner um, and figuring out how to cope with these differences or similarities or what it, what it might be. I think there could be a lot of unmanaged and unspoken expectations or assumptions. And so when they're not met, I feel like that becomes an issue. Division of labor is a pretty big one. Um, so the previous podcast to your one is Laura Danger, who is that darn chat on TikTok and Instagram. And she works okay. with e- Eve Rodsky and the Fair Play Method and stuff. So we get really into that division of labor. Yeah. But that is massive because prior to having kids, didn't matter because there wasn't that much to, oh it didn't feel like there was that much to do yeah. I probably yeah. slipped into more of a maternal role and he slept slipped into more traditional like man role and then you had children and you just went no this is awful yeah. like, I don't want to do this yeah exactly so that is a big one big big one and then moms often are you know kind of the more involved the primary parents so I feel like moms often feel you know, talking about a heterosexual relationship, they feel like they carry the burden of being the primary parent. So I feel Mm -hmm. like feeling unsupported. So that can creates feelings of resentment and things like that. So I think those are the big things that come up in those first few weeks or months postpartum. But really, then what really unfortunately takes a hit is the communication. Because Mm -hmm. when all these issues start arising, then you start developing maladaptive behaviors in your communication you know and maladaptive behaviors are anything that prevents your ability to adjust and adapt to circumstances so it could be you know distancing avoidance aggression passive aggression you know blaming defensiveness avoidance all sound very familiar (laughs) Yeah. yeah so then we enter into that so now we've got this problem let's say has to do with division of labor now we're not communicating about it in an effective way. No. And so not only is this problem not resolved, now you're also left feeling worse because now you're left feeling hurt or angry because you mm-hmm. couldn't even talk about it. You're really, really tired. I think that's a really important factor to remember in all of this. You yeah. are both really, really tired. And I think it's probably shouldn't be underestimated. Like one of the things I thought would be quite helpful is to think about how could we explain to a partner how that the mum or the you know the person that's that's having the baby might feel when the baby arrives because I think one of the things that I get from talking to men and my husband and stuff is like I just wasn't expecting her to be like that (laughs) it's the invisible load that mums tend to carry right it's stuff that does not get seen you know dads are often you see them doing the physical work 
you know, the changing the diaper, the helping with the bath, the helping the, to put the baby to bed or dropping them off to school or whatever, or whatever that could be. Um, but then you've got the invisible load, the planning the birthday party, the making sure you have the winter jacket ordered in time for the season, you know, the fact that this grocery item is running out and needs to get on the list. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that we got to do the laundry because all the socks are dirty. So we needs to be ready for school tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's just so many things that are just in our head that doesn't really mm-hmm. get seen. Therefore, it's not really appreciated. And do you think there's a difference as well with the emotional, I suppose, the emotional response that a mum feels like I had no idea that my mood would be so determined by whether the baby had slept, whether they'd fed well, whether they'd looked happy, whether they, like, I just remember one of my kids didn't smile for like 11 weeks, which is really mean. I was like, come on. (laughs) And I was so tired. And all the friends who'd had babies at the same time, their babies are like beaming at six weeks. And I genuinely thought, well, I've screwed this up. He's miserable. I must have got it wrong. And he just was holding out. And and he's a very lovely kid. But I felt that. And it's not even logical. Do you see a difference in how different genders respond to that? So my theory on that is, look at how boys and girls are socialized from a very, very young age. Our generation, when we were kids, as boys and girls, how were we raised? You know, boys don't cry. Boys don't get to have emotions. Or boys' emotions are dismissed or viewed as bad or viewed as weak. Mm -hmm. Girls get nurturing. You can cry. We're going to respond softly and gently to you. And girls are expected to be helpers and caretakers and attuning to other people's needs. Mm. So girls from a very, very young age are socialized to be more attuned to emotions, to their own emotions, to other people's emotions. They're more in the caretaker role, the helper role, the nurturer role. And boys are not. You know, boys are, you're supposed to be tough and play sports and, you know, uh, appear strong and be the protector of your little sister. You know, that's how boys are raised. So is it such a big surprise that these boys grow into men not attuning to not only their own emotions or feelings, but to their partners or to their babies? So I suppose the feeling of isolation is that when you are looking at them and going, I'm finding this really hard. They don't know how to respond to that because they don't have that, maybe that empathy or that emotional understanding. Or like I remember my husband saying when he realized, and it's probably after our second kid and like into like a year or so after our second kid, him saying like, I was responding to you like you were Steph pre-kids when you were very hormonal, very tired, very emotional and going through this massive change. Mm -hmm. So if I said something unreasonable or mean, he'd respond like when I was logical and 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 what I needed him to do was just be so kind to me and I remember Mm -hmm. saying like just be kind and him kind of looking at me because he wasn't being unkind but I just needed like so much to know that he was in my team and and well didn't think I was mad and all that stuff and we've struggled with that for ages when the kids were small yeah I think it's just we really have done a disservice Mm. to how or at least you know, how boys and girls have been raised. And I think I see those differences very clearly when these couples, and I work with heterosexual couples for the most part, so I'm going to refer to them. You see it, you see the male is, you know, usually the one, the avoidantly attached partner, the woman is more the anxiously attached partner. And you see these like common characteristics that show up where one is 
less attuned or less clueless to emotions or, or can't even name their emotions and the other is more attuned. And then it comes down to, well, she happens to be the woman and he happens to be the man. Is it a coincidence that this is what I keep noticing? Hmm. You know? I found something I wrote. So I was going to read it out. I wrote this when my kids were three and one. So I was writing about the fog because I think most women experience some sort of fog. So it might be postnatal depression or it might be like a bluesy period where they're just, but I, I feel like that first year and I've got two, three people I know who are just, their kids have just turned one and they're all coming out and you can see it. You can see the fog lifting and yeah. they didn't even necessarily know they were in it. But mm-hmm. so I was just going to read this. So it's, it was called the post baby fog. Um, and it was just a bit of it. It said, the best way I can describe how I felt in the months after both of my babies arrived was that I was in a fog. Sometimes it was thick and dark and I felt incredibly sad. Other times angry, mostly with my husband. A lot of the time I just felt like what should have been my happy times were in some way suppressed. I couldn't let go and relax. A constant feeling of anxiety that there was something that needed doing. That total responsibility for another being felt huge. And my striving to do it brilliantly and to get it right meant I put myself under massive pressure. This often led to the angry exchanges with my husband. He didn't feel that anxiety so overwhelming and personal. And as far as he could see, for the most part, we had happy, healthy babies, so I should just chill out. I also felt lost and lonely. All the things that give me identity, my job, my friendships, my body and my marriage were not as they were and it felt that they never could be. Some women might feel I found their role in life and are more fulfilled. I don't think I'm alone in saying I certainly didn't feel like this in those first months. A friend that recently had a baby texted me, I feel up and down and generally a sort of shadow of my former self as all I'm doing is caring for others and have sort of forgotten what I'm actually like or what I do. That sounds ridiculous, but I can't explain it very well. I think she actually explains it perfectly. For this period, it can feel like everything that previously made you feel good about yourself or just for yourself is absent. That's, That's how I remember it. <laughs> That's yeah. what I remember. And I, I'd forgotten because my oldest is 11 now and I was reading that I was like, oh, it was so lonely. It's really strange how you forget. It's very lonely. It. I remember loneliness was definitely one of those feelings that was common in both my postpartum experiences. Yeah. So how could you prepare a couple but or a partner of how these feelings that might happen mm-hmm. beforehand? Because you do talk about kind of the preparation piece how Mm -hmm. do you communicate that yeah I think you know talking about your expectations with each other and how Mm -hmm. you're expecting to show up as a mother as a co-parent and as a partner and how you're expecting your partner to show up as a father as a parent as a co-parent and really what would that look like you know what are you imagining how you guys would be supporting each other and being there for each other. I mean, imagine your day right now from start to finish, like who does what, who takes out the garbage, who cooks, who does the grocery, who does the cleaning, who goes to work at this time, who wakes up late, who wakes up early, all that, like really go through your day and then plug a baby in it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a very different day. And you can't even anticipate that if this is your first baby because you don't even know how drastically different it's going to look and your nights, how drastically different they will look. But at least start opening up those conversations. Start talking about about your concerns. Like, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about doing night shifts. Like, uh, I don't know how that's going to go. I just don't think I'm going to function too well, sleep deprived. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that's something we can like split up so it's not always me. You know, so start communicating that expectation from before, like, hey, like, I'm not planning on being the only one who's going to wake up every night. Or you might decide in your relationship that 
you're okay with that role. Mm. That was me. My um, husband was the one who was working. I was the one who was on mat leave. I also know I function better with less sleep. He functions a little bit less better with, you know, not enough Mm. sleep. So I just felt like, you know, I think it's fair if I wake up at night and I do the night shift. He has to clock in to work. He has to be fresh. He has to be alert. He has to do that job. Um, He has to earn the paycheck. You know, that's his, you know, but then I just had the expectation, you know, like, hey, in the morning, though, I I need like a little snooze. So can you take over the baby early Um, or during the day uh, when you come back from work? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to support me when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those sort of expectations, I was well prepared to communicate for my second baby mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. first one, I didn't know to talk about that. The second That's what's one, really I did. hard with all of this, isn't it? You can have the conversations before, but until that baby arrives. And also, if you if you really understood what it was feel like people maybe wouldn't have babies. Like if, if someone explains it in yeah. too much detail. It would be go, the biggest contraceptive. Like yeah. who would want to have a baby then, right? Yeah. Also, if you're struggling with something before the baby has arrived, you might mm. want to work on it from now. Because mm. whatever you're struggling with right now, it's not getting better. It's only going to get worse. And so that would be another way to prepare your relationship. If you're already bitching about who did the cooking and who did this, like, okay. That's, How do that's you think probably, that's going to go down when the baby arrives? That's probably an easier thing to put in place than have a conversation about your expectations. Almost if there's anything that you're already struggling with a bit, what looking at that, because that you can, you can yeah. do. Yeah, if, if you're, you're already, on. let's say, feeling resentment about something. Yes. Because of whatever's happening in your relationship – I promise you that resentment is not going to go away after the baby arrives. It's actually well, going to get much worse. On that, so when I asked on Instagram about what was the thing that was most difficult or what did you feel the most after having a baby in your relationship, and overwhelmingly it was anger and resentment. So I had mm-hmm. people saying things like, this is Caroline said, how much I hated my husband both times. I had Hannah say how much I resented my husband for sleeping, going to work, not thinking about the baby 24-7. I had someone else say that you can come back from what feels like true hatred. The rage is real but temporary, which I thought Mm -hmm. was a bit more promising. But, yeah, just so many people just going, I was absolutely angry. I was fuming, the rage I felt. And I wrote about that as well. And that was kind of one of the most popular things I ever wrote. Again, because maybe women aren't supposed to be angry and mums certainly aren't supposed to be angry. But actually that is how everyone's feeling so what is it where does the anger come from I'm sure there's loads of reasons but what what would you say as an expert anytime you feel anger that should be your red flag that something is happening that's making you respond angrily so the way I describe anger is it's a secondary emotion it's the surface level emotion it's the emotion for some reason is easier for us to show and express and let out but then underneath the anger there's a underlying emotion there's a primary emotion there's something softer more vulnerable something that's hurting and so in session with couples right whenever you ask the feeling questions I'm annoyed I'm frustrated I'm angry those are the ones that come out those are the easy ones to just spit out because that's what you feel but it's getting attuned to okay if I'm feeling angry annoyed frustrated that means really I'm feeling something else inside what is my anger in response to something is happening I'm feeling a way about it inside and it's coming out in the form of anger. And the thing is, because we're not attuned to that, we communicate with anger. 
guess what happens when we communicate with anger? The other person doesn't receive it well. Mm. So what we want to do or what I would recommend for new parents or couples or parents even with more children to do is dig deeper and try to understand what's lying underneath the anger. Tap into that because it's going to be something more vulnerable. It's going to be something more accurate and clear. And often when you when you tap into the depth of what it is, what's making you angry, you realize that there's unmet needs. Resentment is a sign of unmet needs. You always want to, one, get, start talking to yourself. We talk to ourselves anyway all the time. It's not anything that crazy. Literally, there's always a voice chatting in our head. But really consciously talk to yourself when you're feeling angry. Why am I feeling so angry right now? Okay, because, um, you know, my husband's been sleeping in every day and I'm feeling exhausted. Why am I feeling exhausted? Because I'm waking up with a baby every morning and I'm just feeling really tired. And okay, and how is that landing on me? Well, it's making me feel resentful and like lonely, like I'm doing this all by myself. Mm. Okay, so in response to feeling lonely and resentful, you're feeling angry. And when you communicate with anger, it doesn't, for most people, it it just does not land well, right? People get defensive. Defensive. That's exactly it. Because actually you're you're saying you're a shit person to somebody who you love, who previously you loved. And they're trying probably in some cases. Mm -hmm. And I always recommend change all your use to eyes. Anytime you talk about the other person, Mm -hmm. they will have the urge to defend because you're talking about them, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to be blamed for anything. Nobody likes that feeling. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about yourself, you've taken away any ammunition that your partner might have to argue or debate with you. How can Mm -hmm. somebody do that if you're saying, well, I'm, I'm feeling exhausted, you know? Yeah. But you're sleeping in every morning is like an attacking, blaming language, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sick of it. You sleep in every morning. It just pisses me off. That's one way well, of and, saying it. And also, if they love you and you're saying, I'm lonely, which actually is you weren't here when I needed you or whatever, but if, you're, if it yeah. turns into I'm lonely, hopefully then they will yeah. build on that empathy, right, and that care and mm-hmm. that, oh, I don't want you to feel like that. God, I just remember screaming in a way that I never have screamed before or since like that oh my gosh the rages yeah the the the, yeah I I am not an angry or rageful person at all I don't relate to that way of communicating Mm -hmm. and I think there's two or three times I had literally like I was like possessed I wasn't myself and I look back and I was like oh my god who is this person this is not me and I was so disappointed and like just feeling like gross and like, no, no one wants to be that person either do yeah. you like if it's like oh she's an old nag no one wants to be that yeah what have you found from your experiences the most common feeling that is under that anger so for new parents and mm. even parents who have like a toddler and a baby type of phase resentment is a big yeah. one lonely feeling unappreciated and feeling mm. unsupported okay so resentment lonely unappreciated unsupported I would say are the big, the, the very like base. When you keep digging, 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 you land at those few. Mm-hmm. Um, I find most commonly, and so just cue into the fact that you're feeling angry. That means that is not the time to talk about it. Go regulate yourself, and that's a whole different topic. And it's so important for us to teach our kids how to regulate. Mm-hmm. You know, regulate yourself. Talk to yourself. Figure out what is actually underneath your anger. Get to that vulnerable, softer place. 
Mm. Now, not all relationships also are safe to communicate honorably. If you find your relationship is not that, you know, there's abusive relationships, for example. So maybe you want to turn to a professional. Maybe that's the Mm -hmm. time to go to couples therapy or individual therapy. So you're doing it with a professional present, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you find that your relationship is safe enough to tap into those vulnerable emotions and communicate with your partner, like, you know, gosh, I'm just feeling really, really like exhausted and lonely. Um, You know, I think I need a break from waking up in the mornings. Do you think you could take over this weekend? Mm. Now you still communicated your need. You still let them know that you are expecting them to step up and they need to stop sleeping in, but you did it in a way where you're not blaming them, but you're asking for help. So Mm. you're a piece of shit. You sleep in every morning. You don't care about helping me. This is so unfair versus, you know, gosh, I'm just feeling really, really exhausted and lonely these days. I think Mm. I really need a break this weekend. Could you please take over watching the baby in the morning? Mm. Mm. It's so different. So different. Now, I I know people would be like, all right, well, that's unrealistic. Who talks like like that when you're that angry? But that's the point. You don't want to talk when you're angry. No. No, because you say the worst things. It's that three in the morning when you're just livid. I can remember my body just sort of shaking with rage. Oh, my gosh. I remember I threw literally a pillow at my husband once. Oh, my baby! (laughs) But I was so angry because my newborn is screaming and crying at the top of his lungs in my arms while my husband's two feet right there, same exact room, on the bed, passed out, snoring. I was so angry because no amount of calling out to him got his attention. I took a pillow and I just like whacked him to wake him up. Yeah. And you so, feel alien because you're like, I would never do that. I would never lash out physically. I would no. never. And I know I do. I know I threw stuff. You feel so out of control. This episode is sponsored by the brilliant boutique mortgage and insurance broker Hudson Rose. They're a bit different to your usual, some might say stuffy mortgage brokers. They're a lovely, passionate team who put the customer at the heart of everything they're doing. If you have a mortgage up for renewal in the next six months, you may be feeling a sense of panic with everything going on in the news. Hudson Rose want you to give them a call. You can have a virtual cup of tea together or go into one of their branches if you're in Gloucestershire and chat it all through. They've said you do have options and they are here to help. They will donate £50 to your local food bank if you say don't buy her flowers when you contact them. And their website is hudson-rose.co.uk. There are links in the notes of this episode to their website and Instagram. What you're saying about communicating and or finding therapy, but I think the other thing I found was friends, but friends who you really trust, who really know you, who know your partner maybe sometimes it's helpful if they'd like your partner because mm-hmm. then they're not just going yeah he's a shit because what you actually need I had a friend um, and we would go for a run and we'd st- we both had small kids and we'd start by being quite angry and talking about what dickheads are our mm-hmm. husbands were and then we'd end up laughing about something totally irrational or crackers that one of us had done I remember her saying that her her husband was on the toilet having a shit and she's banging <laughs> on the door like how long are you gonna be in there and we were like what has become of us? Like, I couldn't even just let him go to the toilet. But, and then it's funny. And then it takes off that really scary bit where you're going, oh my God, I feel actually mental. And I don't know if we're going to survive. And you realize you're not alone and you're not the only one with a husband who disappears for 30 minutes in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. While you can't even go for like two seconds without the kids banging on the door. You have a kid on your lap. You're feeding whilst doing it. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. (laughs) They're with you in the bathroom. Yeah. 
But I think that that does soften it a bit. Having somebody sharing it with could could work as well as therapy. Like they might not be able to give the most amazing yeah. advice, but I think that. But that's... definitely choosing that person wisely, though. Like like yeah. you said, you don't want to choose the person who's going to feed into, you know, yeah. those He's negative awful. feelings that you're already yeah. feeling. Yeah, you don't want to be somebody who's also feeding into the toxic positivity aspect you want someone who can validate you and who provides you that comfort and reassurance but also respects that this person is your partner and they don't get to bash them or further make you dislike this person so don't talk to the family member who probably has issues with your husband or your partner yeah 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 yeah. get out of there quick yeah. yeah and you know just one more thing if because it's not realistic to say that you're gonna always be perfectly emotionally regulated and communicating well like that that's not realistic your window of tolerance is very very low when you're sleep deprived and your mm-hmm. basic physiological needs are not being met most of us are not going to function very well right so in terms of really making sure if your physiological needs are taken care of however that might look like for you but because it's normal to get angry it's normal to lash out it's normal to say things that you know you could have said better, but you said it in the moment. Mm -hmm. But the really, 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 really big thing is go back and make that repair. That is going to have a bigger impact than what happened when you were angry. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't let an angry exchange be the end of that discussion. Like try to go back and make that repair, whether it's later that night or the next day and say, you know what, you know what, that was not the best delivery. I could have said that in a nicer way and should not have thrown the pillow at you, you know, like just, you can, you can even go ahead and be human about it and just say, you know what, that was not the nicest way I said that or not, not the nicest way I handled that situation. What I really meant to say was X, Y, and Z. Because you talk about the the negative cycle mm-hmm. and that's where we're at, right? If you keep meeting each other with, and you did this and you did this and I'm so angry, yeah. like, it just is so sad because you're just yeah it's like again if if one partner is communicating in that like maladaptive way and the other Mm -hmm. partner just meets it also with you know a maladaptive behavior it's not going to help you're stuck in that negative loop and then you're not Mm -hmm. getting out of it right so it's Mm -hmm. it's even like parents with kids you know like when kids are dysregulated or they're throwing a tantrum or they're just crying uncontrollably or screaming or whatever that is Mm -hmm. If you escalate and become angry and yell at them, hopefully, I'm hoping listeners have realized that that actually escalates their child's behavior further. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You actually want to meet their tantrum or yelling or screaming with connection and compassion because that's actually what brings their tantrums or anger or dysregulation down, right? We're adults, but emotionally, it's it's, it's a pretty similar relationship, parent-child and partner-partner. Mm-hmm. that emotional safety and that emotional connection, you know, that that is built through compassion and respect and kindness. So if one of you is dysregulated and struggling, hopefully the other partner is able to maintain a level of regulation and not respond the same way, not, you know, respond the opposite of that. Another kind of common thread that I had from people, and you mentioned it, of what, of what were the things that were underneath that anger was mm-hmm. um, people saying that about feeling disappointed with how their partner was behaving or what they were not doing after the baby arrived. So I had some comments from Donna who said, what if one person won't do the boring task, doesn't care if nappies and toilet roll, etc., run out. Um, and also his life didn't change, which I think is a really big one. 
Mm-hmm. Someone at Jenny said how much it went a bit 1950s. Um, Ellen said my husband didn't change in the way I thought he would when he became a dad. And Which is an expectation. Yeah. That I'm going to assume was not communicated ahead of time. Yeah. Like I can imagine because we had, I think I was 29 when we had kids. I think I probably expected Doug to not want to go out as much and to you know, not want to drink if he was out or yeah. like that, like kind of suddenly become dad sensible. Yeah. yeah. And obviously that wasn't going to happen overnight. And I think, do you think that like with women, we have this whole process of being pregnant and our body changing that, that gets us to that place maybe, whereas a man doesn't. So, or someone mm-hmm. who doesn't have the baby doesn't. So they are suddenly there's a baby there, but they haven't had that process of nurturing your, yourself mm-hmm. and knowing it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what happens there, but again, societally and culturally, Mm. and again, think about how boys and girls are raised. Girls are just raised to be more nurturing, more helpful, more caretaking. But I think if you heap society stuff on it as well, which isn't just from within your home, that is from everywhere. Yeah. That also plays a massive part. So then you've got all that messaging too, right? Like what moms are expected to be. And it's the moms are expected to be loving and nurturing and caretaking and at home, you know, Mm. with the baby, the one who takes the leave to be home with the baby and all that. And Mm. some of that is natural. It has to happen. We're the ones who are breastfeeding. It is the way that it is, you know. Well, guilt comes up a lot with women as well. And I think that's really complicated because, again, it probably sometimes that comes out as anger because you feel guilty and then you're resentful about feeling guilty. But some of that guilt is not from anything your partner's doing. It's because you feel like you should be this super mum who can do all the things and juggle all the stuff and does the feeding and does the, I don't know, like the majority of the care. That's expectation of yourself. So in the book that I'm writing, Stronger Together, A Couple's Guide for Navigating Your Relationship After Baby, there is a whole section that I have under self-care that talks about um, unconscious mental images that we have in our mind of motherhood. Mm-hmm. And because they're unconscious, we don't realize that we're judging ourselves based on not fitting those images. Yeah. That's where the guilt comes from. That's where the shoulds come from. I should be this way. I should be better. I should know what to do in this situation. I should enjoy motherhood more. I should be a happier mother. You know, all those things, they're all expectations that we have for ourselves. But where did they come from? Hmm. Who told us that? So we have these unconscious mental images that we have in our mind. And without realizing, we're trying to match that image. And because we're not matching it, because realistically we are human and we cannot always match it, we feel Mm -hmm. guilty. We are self-critical, you know, self-hateful. You beat ourselves down. There's so much beating ourselves down. But when you make the unconscious more conscious Mm -hmm. and then you consciously decide that, you know what, I'm not going to subscribe to that unconscious definition of what a mother is. I'm going to create my own definition of Mm -hmm. how a mother should be. And that's the definition I want to fit. Mm. And that definition is flawed. It's human. It's imperfect. Mm. And if you can align yourself to that definition, hopefully you do grow and improve and be feel encouraged to be a better mother, better father without the, and I'm going to beat myself down if anything goes wrong, or if I'm Mm -hmm. not going to be, if I'm not perfect, or if I scream at my kid. 
Because that's a really tough one. Again, I don't think I thought about what kind of mother I wanted to be. And then when it got to it, it all really conflicted because I wanted to be the mum that my mum had been and be around. And I, But I also wanted to work and I wanted to... I don't know, like there's just so many different you things You wanted this on. whole thing, right? This like this whole like perfect motherhood who can like be there and be attuned and be home with the kids. And like you said, you never thought about it, yet look, you had images in your mind. Well, and um, you and your partner probably have have those images for what you think each other's going to be like, what exactly. he'll be like as the dad. Well, as we've just You said, had said, one for your husband. You yeah, had and he would have had husband. one for me. And I don't know how I've lived up to that. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's and then we, we feel disappointed and guilty yeah. and yeah. self-critical when we're not meeting those images. But so, who placed those? Who told you about those images? Where are those um, images coming from? And sometimes it feels like it would be easier if things were still, one of the people said, I didn't know how much it was going to feel like the 1950s. In some ways it feels like that because there were more defined roles. Yeah. The other thing that lots of people mentioned was sex. And a lot of them said um, they completely went off it. No interest. My interest has completely disappeared. My need for personal space went from being very tactile to not. That was Martina. And then um, someone else just said, is it okay not to have sex for a long time? <laughs> that was Hillary. <laughs> that is a massive change. Mm-hmm. When you're tired and you're, everything's leaking, it's just not a yeah. sexy time. Yeah, it's not, not at all, especially not for the moms. No. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those things you just want to manage your expectations around. It's totally mm-hmm. normal that your sex life will take a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, not for everyone, and maybe for some because of hormones, it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a very, very common one that sex and intimacy definitely declines. And that is not surprise when you sleep deprived, exhausted, um, caring for a baby all day, definitely not feeling sexy in your postpartum body. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not wanting to have sex. That desire well, we had, is not there. We had Karen Gurney, who's the sex doctor, is her mm-hmm. handle. And she was brilliant. So she did an episode and it was all about desire and desire in long-term relationships. But she said about, she pulled out some stats about how, yes, the sex goes down, the amount of sex you're having dramatically goes down in the first five years of having kids, but also that couples who communicate better and have a better division Mm -hmm. of labor have more sex. So they're just all things to think about. But I think when you list all the reasons why you might not want to have sex, there's quite a few, but also if you go back to your expectations of what might happen after you have had a baby mm-hmm. I don't think we had a conversation about it that there might be a period that you just don't want to do it and even yeah. just having that conversation that like oh did you know that quite often people don't do it for however many months or yeah you know and like I said earlier and how you just mentioned that thing about communication you've got that issue right like less or low desire for sex but then now there's a bigger issue at play because you don't even know how to communicate about it now, right? You've got this issue and now this issue feels much worse mm-hmm. because you don't know how to talk about it. We don't have mm-hmm. communication tools to talk. It's just like, I, I just wish there's like a cl- a mental health class that's offered from like elementary school that talks about things like emotional regulation communication you know how to advocate for yourself how to communicate your needs respect i wish that was taught from a young age to kids so we could grow up into adults who had these tools you know i teach adults in their 30s 40s 50s and 60s how to communicate 
Mm-hmm. It, it's just so insane if you really think about it. Like, how are we not taught this? Going back again to my earlier point is if there is already a struggle, let's say in your communication, pre-baby, mm-hmm. you might mm-hmm. want to work on it from now. Because mm-hmm. whatever patterns that you have, let's say if it's like one tends to be more angry and the other tends to be more avoidant type, they're actually going to get exacerbated after baby. Mm-hmm. So they're going to either become worse or deepened or whatever that is. They're definitely not getting better. It's not like suddenly after baby, you're going to just turn to each other and start communicating vulnerably. You want to get into the habit and practice and learn those tools and skills from now, be mm-hmm. it sex, be it any other topic, division of labor, whatever that is. Because when you can't talk about it, it damages the connection. When it damages the emotional connection between two people, that safety and security that two people feel together, you're not going to want to physically connect. No. Desire is definitely not, not going to spike up if you're feeling emotionally disconnected. Well, and particularly, I think, for women, like he might still be up for it, but you're not exactly. going to be. <laughs> there there <laughs> again is that biological difference, right? Like mm-hmm. men operate differently. That emotional I, yeah. Exactly. Like women kind of need that for most, a lot of women, emotional connection as is an important piece, almost like a precursor to physical connection. As a final question, if there was one thing, I think rather than pre the baby arriving, so we're talking to a couple, they're in those first months and they just feel completely disconnected. What would be the kind of one thing that you would say that they could do that might start to help? There is no solution unless you understand the problem. So number one thing is understanding what's happening. Why are you disconnected? And then if you're realizing, let's say you're disconnected because you feel resentful, because you feel unsupported, because the division of labor is so imbalanced, let's say, how are you going to work on building your connection when that division of labor remains imbalanced? Because you're going to keep feeling unsupported. You're going to keep feeling resentful. And that is going to inhibit your ability to connect. So I would say actually the number one thing is not like an actionable step I can take you. Like do this exercise and it will build connection because Mm -hmm. truth is, yeah, surface level in that moment, it might build connection. That connection's not going to last because let's say if there is resentment eating inside of you, like building up every day, whatever that exercise you do for five minutes or 10 minutes, it's not going to last. So you have to understand what is it that's causing our disconnect? Is it resentment? Is it feeling unsupported or unappreciated? Is it unmet needs? Um, is it um, you know, an unfair division of labor? Is it uh, one the mother feeling like she has way too much on her plate and partner doesn't support? What is it that's causing that disconnection? Because there's something that's causing it. Work on that. When you work on that and you resolve that issue respectfully, compassionately, kindly with each other, then you can do the step two. And now here's an exercise you can do to build connection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much to Zara for speaking with me and to Hudson Rose for sponsoring this episode. I hope there was something in there that was useful. It might be an episode that's worth sharing with anyone you know who's about to have a baby or who's in those early months having had one. Um, And do message me with any thoughts either on Instagram or email podcast at don'tbuyherflowers.com. And as I say in each episode, it would be brilliant if you could leave a review um, and a rating. That would be superb. Our next series is coming in a couple of weeks and I'm going to be speaking to business owners. 
So it is nearly eight years since I started Don't Buy Her Flowers, originally on a spare bedroom floor, um, packing boxes on my knees. But we do now have a warehouse and a team. It's a bit of a slicker operation. But in case you didn't know, we sell thoughtful gifts for lots of occasions. So birthday, get well, bereavement, new parents, um, any occasion really. And we do gifts for kids and teens and men as well as women. And you essentially put the package together from categories so you can create bespoke gifts that are just right for your recipient. Or we do have some packages that we've kind of created for you if you're not quite sure of what to send somebody. Then we gift wrap it all up and we write your personal message on the tag. And we're really good at it and the team are awesome. So our packages are really all about encouraging the recipient to take a bit of time for themselves. And actually, I should mention, we are taking pre-orders for Christmas. So if you want to tick things off your list or spread out your shopping, you can order now and select pre-order and we'll send it out just before Christmas. So that is a little bit about Don't Buy Her Flowers. Um, And I hope you're okay. It is getting chilly out there. So wrap up warm and take care.